0: You are listening to audio from Community Bible Church. If you would like to find out more information about us, please visit us at CBCSavannah.com. Again, happy Mother's Day to all of y'all! And I know this this is a exciting day for some of you, and some of it's challenging, and we understand that because of the nature of uh, this past year. So we we want to be sensitive to that. We're thankful for the gift of moms uh, that God has given us, and. uh, and sometimes that is a challenging thing uh, when there's been loss, uh, when, but just know that God is good and he is very near to the brokenhearted uh, and he gives good and perfect gifts because he is a good God. So we're grateful for that. Um, so go ahead and turn in your Bibles to Jonah chapter two. Jonah chapter two, if you have a Bible. If not, it'll be on the screen behind you. I want to talk really about one big thing today, one kind of big main idea that will drive the focus of our time together in God's word. And I want to kind of answer the question what is grace? Right, it's a very churchy word. You're in church, some of you, because mom, it's Mother's Day, and so you're like, oh, I'll go to church with mom. That'll be the only day I'll see you this year, but that's all right. You're here today, right? But what is grace? How do we respond to grace? Right, that, that's kind of where we're going to go today uh, as we move in Jonah chapter two. But I want to show us a clip up front um, because this is not a clip from Jonah, but it's a clip. That's a demonstration of grace. And I want you to, us to think about it and see, because I want to apply this to our hearts and to our context. So this is a clip, and I'm not a, you know, I'm a movie guy, but I'm not, I don't usually show movie clips. But this is a, actually a clip from, from the, the series, some of you have seen it, The Chosen. And, and it's a clip, just kind of let me set it up. It's, it's the calling of Matthew. We know Matthew. For 61 weeks, we looked at Matthew. All right, we remember Matthew. But this is Matthew's calling, right? And, and remember who Matthew was. He was a tax collector. He was a reject. And the way that the, the series actually, I think it does a, a very creative and brilliant way of Matthew in the series is kind of on the, on the spectrum, he, uh, which is pretty awesome the way they portray him. But this is his calling and you can see Jesus, you can see Peter and his response. So I want us to just see this and think about grace and then we'll kind of talk through grace as we look at Jonah 2. We live in the same world, Matthew. Next. Besides, what else are you going to do with a mind like yours? Matthew. Matthew, son of Alpheus. Yes? Follow me. Me? <laughs> yes, you. Whoa, whoa, whoa. What are you doing? You want me to join you? Keep moving, street preacher. Do you have any idea what this guy's done? Do you even know him? Yes. Listen, I said to you! What are you doing? Where do you think you're going? Guys? me go have you lost your mind you have money quintus protects you no jew lives as good as you you're gonna throw it all away You didn't get it when I chose you, either. But this is different. I'm not a tax collector. Get used to different. I'm glad we passed by your booth today, Matthew. Yes. Shall we? We have a celebration to prepare for. You will regret this, Matthew. What's the tablet for? I grabbed it without thinking. I can put it back. No. No. Keep it. You may yet find use for it. Where are we going? A dinner party. I'm not welcome at dinner parties. Well, that's not going to be a problem tonight. You're the host. It's a great line. That's grace. It's a model of grace. Jonah in Jonah chapter two is gonna be a recipient of grace. Remember, he is the prophet of God and God says, I want you to go to Nineveh and he chooses to go the other way and we'll see why in a couple of weeks if you haven't figured it out already. And so uh, he's a model of running and we all run, right? We run from the authority of God. We reject the word of God and we run to what we think will bring life and ironically, we're running from the very source of life, which is God himself. And in God's grace, we run, he chases, he chases. And where it ended up for Jonah, we saw last week There's a lot of hurling going on, right? There's a God hurling the storm on the sea and the sailors hurling the cargo over and then they hurl Jonah over. And at the end of chapter two, we're gonna see a fish starts hurling, right? Different hurling, but it's the same idea right? And where Jonah has ended up because he runs is in the fish. And so chapter two is his recounting his being rescued by the fish, by God through the fish. And he does it in a very unique way. In fact, if you have a hard copy of God's word, you see that it's kind of different than the rest of it, right? Because it's got like indentations and and you're like, what's what's going on there? It's because this is basically a psalm. Jonah from the belly of the fish is going to write a psalm and it has, it's, it's psalm because it has meter and it has rhythm and it has rhyme, just like the psalms do. In fact, this is a prototypical Thanksgiving psalm that Jonah writes from the belly of the fish, where there's an introduction statement and then there's a, uh, the situation of what, what I need to be rescued from and a cry for help and then the deliverance of God and my response. It follows the pattern exactly of the psalms of a Thanksgiving psalm. That's what Jonah does from the belly of the fish. And what it points us to is grace points us to grace, right? And, and what I wanna do is define grace for you. I mean, there's a lot of definitions. You can look it up in the, in the dictionary, the Bible dictionary, or whatever. maybe you have you know, your crossing, grace is God's riches at Christ's expense. Okay, that's a good understanding. Or maybe we say it's unmerited favor, which is good too. Here's here's the two big ideas I want us to grasp with grace. It's not the only thing grace is, but these are two main components of grace and I wanna place these two components over Psalm 2 and show it to you and then show it to how it works in our life and how do we respond. So two facets of grace. Number one, grace is an undeserved gift. And number two, it's from an unobligated giver. That grace is an undeserved gift from an unobligated giver. That's what I want us to think about when we think about grace. And we're going to see that in chapter two, and we're going to see it in our lives. So let me read the entire chapter, this Psalm of Jonah, and then uh, we'll kind of unpack it and talk about grace. Verse one, then Jonah prayed to the Lord his God from the belly of the fish, saying, I called out to the Lord out of my distress, and he answered me. Out of the belly of Sheol I cried, and you heard my voice. For you cast me into the deep, into the heart of the seas, and the flood surrounded me, and all your waves and billows passed over me. And then I said, I am driven away from your sight, yet I shall again look upon your holy temple. The waters closed in over me to take my life, the deep surrounded me, weeds were wrapped around my head at the roots of the mountains. I will pay. Salvation belongs to the Lord. And the Lord spoke to the fish and it vomited Jonah out upon the dry land. So we pick up and Jonah is in his divinely appointed submarine. But Jonah prayed to the Lord, his God, from the belly of the fish and Verses two through, through nine are what he prayed from the belly. Now he prays before the belly, we'll see in verse seven, but this is what he kind of prays while he's there. Now he doesn't have a pen, he's not writing this down. Oh, this is good, I'm gonna write this down. But afterwards he recaps and here's his psalm, right? But, but, but before we get there, I want you to think about how this went down. So they throw him over, there's Jonah, sitting in the water, bobbing up and down. I don't know, the waves are going. I don't know if Jonah you know, was a swimmer. I don't know if he could swim, he's got his clothes on still, so it's not easy to swim in clothes. And down he's going. Right, He's drowning. Right, But before that last breath of where he inhales water and his lungs fill and he sinks even right before that moment, at some point, he cries out to God. Maybe it's underwater, so it's not a cry. It's like bubbles. Whatever it was, he cries out to God. And the next thing he knows, everything has gone dark. And he, and he feels intense pressure around his body as he's sliding down the esophagus of this fish. And as he kind of comes to and and realizes, imagine the terror. It is completely dark and it smells really bad. I mean, you've been to like a low country boil and you 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 got shrimp all over your hands or oyster roast. You'd be like, oyster roast because those things are nasty, but whatever. Oyster roast. And you just smell for like three weeks like oysters. Imagine Jonah the smell, and, and, and this is, cr- I mean, if you're claustrophobic, this is a nightmare. Some of you can't go to an MRI. Can imagine, pitch dark, I can't move. And when I do, it's like slimy and ugh. And the, my skin's burning because the acid of this of lining, and there's chunks of things floating around. This is not your, you know, Pinocchio where I'm standing up in the way, like, let's go, Geppetto, let's go. You know, we're going to get out of the way. This is confined, right? It's not pleasant, but he realizes this was, is my deliverance. Because here's the thing. Jonah is alive. He shouldn't be. But Jonah is alive. And so he prays this prayer. Verse two is kind of the summary statement, like all Thanksgiving Psalms. I called out to the Lord out of my distress, and he answered me out of the belly of Sheol. It's not the belly of the fish, it's Sheol. Sheol is the place of the dead. I was almost dead. And I cried out to God and he heard my voice because of his grace. And then he recaps it. For you cast me, notice the plural, the the pronouns here. You cast me into the deep, into the heart of the sea. And the floods surrounded me. All your waves, it's your waves, it's your billows. They passed over me. If you recap chapter one, you're like, wait, wait, I thought it was the sailors that threw him in. Yeah, but God was the agent behind it. He's the agent behind the waves. He's the one who has been chasing Jonah. So he recognized that this was from God, that God is the one who put me in the sea. God is the one whose waves were were all over me and I'm going down and down and down and I'm sinking. And And he realizes this. He says at this moment, I am driven away from your sight. You're done with me. And the second half of this verse, it's a little bit wonky in the Hebrew, right? English translations go all over the place because it could be a positive statement. Let, let the ESV translate: "I shall once again." That, that's, a, that's a declaration of hope. I actually think that it should be not, it should be form of a question because it is in the Hebrew, where shall, I, I shall never see the temple again. It fits the parallelism of the text better and actually where this is in this Thanksgiving psalm. The idea is I'm gone, I'm done. I'll never be at the temple again. I'm never gonna get to go. Remember what the temple was. This is the place where God is. This is the place where you worship. This is the place where you get forgiveness of sin and you sacrifice. I never get to go there again. You were done with me. I was out. This was it. It was over. I'm done Verse five, the waters are closing in over me. The deepest around me. I got seaweed. Ra- oh, I got my glasses. Seaweed wrapped around my head. I'm just, I'm sinking like a rock. I'm going down to the land whose bars close for me forever. Death. This is where I was. And then this key word, yet. Yet. You brought me up. My life. And remember. Underline that, circle that word up. Remember I told you in chapter one, anytime Jonah's going down, it's bad. He's going down into the ship, down into the fish, down in the, but when he's going up, he's going back towards God. Who is the one who's bringing Jonah up? God is bringing him up. You brought my life up, oh Lord, my God. When my life was fainting away, and when it was almost over, at that moment I remembered the Lord and my prayer came to you. It wasn't profound, it was just simple, help, save me, whatever it was, and you heard me. And so he makes, here's the declaration now. Those who pay regard to vain idols forsake their hope of steadfast fast off. What he's saying is, you put your hope in idols, you're dumb. You worship false gods, you're dumb. Right? Jonah had a false god. You know who Jonah's false god was? Jonah. Jonah worshiped Jonah. And the message there is, hey, you cannot, no matter how much you want, you cannot invite the Georgia Bulldogs into your heart. Because they will kill you. They will crush your hopes at some point. Yes, the last two years you've been real helpful, right? But that won't last forever because Nick Saban won't let it. But the point is, is you can put your hope in money, you can put hope in jobs, relationship, popular, whatever. He said it's, it's empty. There's no chesed there, there's no faithfulness, there's no steadfast love, there's no hope. I had it in my way, my way led me here. So those who do that, you're forsaking all that is good. And now he's gonna make some vows. This is what I'm gonna do. I, with the voice of thanksgiving, will sacrifice to you. What I have vowed, I will pay. He's making promises now, vows. Just like remember the sailors last week, they're making vows, they're offering sacrifices. He's like, this is one of those, if you ever get me out of there, I will never do it again. It's one of those statements. I will go to the ta- temple and I will offer sacrifice. I will tell everybody, I'll sing songs. I'll declare how good you are, that salvation belongs to God. That's what I'm gonna do. That's, and it sounds great. And, and there's nothing wrong with that. But here's the thing. God is not asking for Jonah's sacrifice. God's not asking for him to kill a ram. What was he asking him to do? Go to Nineveh. And see, Jonah... You gotta notice about Jonah. Jonah knows his Bible better than we know our Bible. In fact, there is nine allusions. This, this prayer, this little psalm of his, it's not original to Jonah. Jonah quotes, if you kind of deep dive on it, he quotes nine different passages from the Old Testament, seven from Psalms that I can find, and one from Lamentations, and one from Job. He's all over the Old Testament, quoting the Old Testament. He knows his Bible, right? So he knows 1 Samuel 15, where God tells Saul through Samuel, I do not delight in burnt offerings and sacrifices. I delight in obedience. Obedience is better than sacrifice, right? It's better. He knows Psalm 51, where David is confessing his sin with Bathsheba, where, where David says, I will, will you not delight in sacrifice. I give it. You will not be pleased with the burnt offering. The sacrifices of God are a broken spirit, a broken and contrite heart. Oh God, you will not despise. See, that's what God's wanting from Jonah. He doesn't want to make promises. I'm going to Jerusalem. Great. That's not what he wants. What he wants is broken heart, repentant heart. And Jonah's not there yet. He can get there. It'll take a couple chapters, but he'll get there, but he's not there yet. But this psalm is just a recap God save me, praise God. And that's good. But this is grace. Put our our, our two main ideas of, of grace on top of this. This is grace. What's the first one? That grace is an undeserved gift. What does Jonah deserve? That's what he deserves. He deserves to sink like a rock. Why is Jonah in the water? Because of Jonah. You wanted to run from God? This is what you get. He deserves what he's getting. In our vernacular, he reaped it. He's sowing it, right? This is what you deserve, Jonah. You are getting what you deserve. What does God give him anyway? Life. He gives him back his life. He is, it is an undeserved gift. That is grace. Matthew, in our, in our clip, Matthew chose the path of a tax collector, which means he was siding against his nation with Rome. So he's working with Rome to take money from his own countrymen. And on top of that, he would collect what Rome would, would, would demand. But then what these tax collectors would do is made them so despised. They would take more. Okay, an extra 5%, an extra 10%. So these people are starving already, but now he's taking more money from them, and he's living life like a king off his oppressed brothers and sisters, which is why they despised them. They couldn't go to the temple. They couldn't be part of it. You heard it in the thing. I don't go to parties. Yeah, because they didn't want you. They hated you. You were alienated. Yeah, you had a nice house, but you were alone. What does he deserve? To be alone. He deserves that. What does Jesus do? What does he give him? He gives him the gift of you follow me. And Peter's aligned. You know what he's done? I do. Right? That's grace. Grace. That's grace. What's the second part? Grace is an undeserved gift from an unobligated giver. What does God owe Jonah? Nothing. He owes him nothing. You ever get these text messages? I get these text messages. So I pay my bills, and there's two that really drive me nuts. pay the Comcast bill, and I pay the Verizon bill. And right after I pay it, I get this text message. Thank you for paying your bill. And I'm like, don't thank me. All that is, is rubbing salt in the wound of the fact this is how much six cell phones cost me every month. I could feed a small country. (laughs) And this Comcast is how much internet costs, really, and 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 a landline, which I don't even use. I don't even have a landline phone. I have a phone number, but I don't have a phone. And this is how much, and so they, thank you. Don't thank me, I am not giving you your money because I like you. This is not an object, oh, Verizon, I still love you, Verizon. Here's some money. Here's $347. I'm not doing it out of the goodness of my heart. I do it because I owe you. Comcast, I owe you, but not for much longer because we're getting some other companies here. (laughs) They're slowly coming in. No more monopoly. I owe you this. I am under obligation to pay you this, so don't thank me. God is under no obligation to Jonah. He's not like, oh, you're, you're, you're part of Israel. You're my prophet, I'll do it. No, he owes him nothing. You can sink. That's what I owe you. That's what you deserve. What do I do? As an unobligated giver, I give you grace. Matthew, Jesus could just walk by and say, there's a tax collector, stay away from him. He, he chose that path. He is unobligated. But what does he do? Follow me. You were alienated, now you will be part of my family. I chose you. Undeserved, unobligated. That's what he does. That's what God does. Right? God has not obligated us. But y'all, this is this is the core message of Christianity. This is the message of Jesus that we are all undeserving. That we all run. All we like sheep have gone astray. You're part of that all. Each one has turned to his own way. Paul says it like this, Romans 3, famous verse. You know this verse. All have sinned. Everybody runs. Everyone has missed the mark is the word, the way, what what the word means. You've missed the mark of perfection and you fall short of the glory of God. Every single one of you. It doesn't matter. I know your mom's like, oh no, you're the best child ever. You're not. She's just saying that because she's your nice mom. All have sinned, but here's here's grace, right? But you all are justified. That means to be declared righteous. That's what it means. It's a legal term. It's a forensic term. You were guilty. Now you have been declared not just not guilty. It's 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 greater than not guilty. It's you are righteous. This is what you deserve: wrath, the wages of your sin is that The wages of my six cell phones is $347. But the gift is justification. It's being declared righteous. It is a gift. It is undeserved. And it's from an unobligated giver. Who's the unobligated giver? Jesus Christ, who redeemed, redemption, that's a word for buying back. He bought you back. Did he have to do that? He did not. What does he say? I have the authority to lay my life down. I have the authority to take it up. What does he do? Because he learns submission through obedience and suffering. He lays his life down. It is an undeserved gift from an unobligated giver. And this is what Paul says in in Ephesians 2, another great passage on grace. It's by grace that you have been saved. There's the gift. You have been saved. And he goes out of his way to highlight, this is not because of you. It is not you. It's not your doing. God does not look down and say, you know, Bill Fowler's got potential. He's got a really good heart under all that other stuff. So I'm gonna save him. It's not how it went down. I was an enemy of God. I was under his wrath, deserving his, the alienation that, that, that my sin deserved. And despite that, because he is giving an undeserved gift from an unobligated giver, he saves me. It's not a result of work so that no one could boast, including myself, right? It's not, he saw potential in any of you. I'm sorry to hurt your feelings. You're great, but you're, you're a sinner, right? There's a, I was in seminary a few years back, one of the professors, he, he used to call, he said, that, uh, there's this great worship band from Ireland, he, and he was referring to you two. Um, and they wrote a song, which I think is fitting, called Grace not one of my favorites by them but it's a great if you read it it's a great song uh here's some of the lyrics grace she takes the blame she covers the shame removes the stain could be her name and then it gives this great line it's my favorite line in the song she travels outside of karma just very you two of them but what does that mean Karma is what we all kind of defer to. We wouldn't, we wouldn't admit it, but we really do. What the idea of karma is, if you're good, good things will happen. If you're bad, bad things happen. You get out of it what you put into it, right? You know, all the physics teachers. Every law has an equal and opposite reaction, blah, 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 whatever, I don't know. I was P, not physics, right? But it's that idea of whatever I do, I get back what I deserve. And the line that grace goes, travels outside of karma is whatever you put in, which is bad, I mean, you can play nice and be at church and wear a jacket because mom wants you to wear a jacket, but you put in bad. That's all we put in, bad, bad, bad. And grace travels outside of that and returns what? Good, because it's grace, because it's undeserved from an unobligated giver. That's what grace does. And the world goes to to karma. Every religion of the world, do good, good things happen. Be good, get to heaven. Work your way up to God. Grace travels outside that says, you are not good, but I am. And so I'm gonna lavish you with my grace. And the song closes, it says that grace makes everything beautiful. The idea of that is, look, the, in, under grace, the addict becomes clean. The lonely and rejected gets a family. The broken find healing. The, the, the sinful, the dirty are clean. Because of grace. And see, this is, this is something that we have to grasp as the people. If we're going to take the message of God to the world, then the people of God need to know and understand what grace is. Because many of you right now, look, life's good, right? Life's good. I mean, you just finished your this year, and you got a new job, and you're getting married in the fall, and you're killing it at work, and blah, 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 you just bought a house. Everything's going great awesome. Some of you come in and the, the weight of the world and of last week and of your life, you feel unworthy. You know where you've been. You 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 were, you were very clear how you don't measure up, whether you're on social media too much. And this, look how you should be. Maybe someone's telling you how you don't measure up. Maybe someone's constantly reminding you how unlovable, how, how unworthy you are. The beauty of grace is, has nothing to do with your lovableness, your loveliness, your worthiness. You're not worthy, whether you're killing it or you had a bad week. That's the point. You're not worthy. But grace doesn't depend on you. It depends on the giver. It's his worthiness, not yours. And some of you just need to to get outside of your feelings because feelings will come and go. They'll ebb and flow. You're gonna feel great one week and bad this week and that's fine. Well, you gotta come back to the living and abiding word of God, which endures forever. And what does God say about God? What does God say about you? That's what matters. You're not worthy, but it's not about you. It's about him because who is God? And this is why I keep coming back to Exodus 34 and we'll see it come full circle in, in chapter four. The Lord, the Lord, a God merciful and gracious, slow to anger abounding in steadfast love and faithfulness. Who is God? That's who God is. That's who God is. It's not about you. So so what do we do? How do we respond to the undeserved gift from an unobligated giver? That's where we wanna land, right? Let me give you some thoughts. A few years ago, my wife bought this book. It was called Eat This, Not That, which is a horrible book because everything you wanna eat is on the bad side. Eat this, not that. Eat potato, baked potato instead of french fries. Nobody's gonna do that. Eat this, eat, don't eat pizza, eat nothing. No, I'm eating pizza. I know I'm gonna die early, but I'm gonna die happy. I don't care. I know where I'm going, right? But I wanna just kinda do that, do this, not that, with grace. How do we respond? This, not that. Here's the first thing, right? How do we respond to grace, to an undeserved gift from an unobligated giver? We enjoy it. You enjoy it. I know that joy and enjoy in churches does not usually go together, but that's because y'all been in some churches that are miserable, miserable people, Right? Because if, if I understand Jesus' words that He has come to give life and give it abundantly, then I think I can enjoy it abundantly. Because every good and perfect gift comes down from the Father of lights. So everything is grand and glorious as salvation, down to the fact that you have air conditioning is a gift from God. And you're like, well, I don't have air conditioning. Well, that's because of karma. I, 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 <laughs> everything that's good. It's from God, and he is meant to, you can enjoy that. You know this, right? He's given good gifts so that you will enjoy them. It doesn't mean everything is enjoyable, but good things are meant to be enjoyed. And one of the greatest ways you can honor the giver of good things is to enjoy good things. So a few years back, we had a new family in our church. They had just moved from the panhandle from the 38, and they came to us and said, hey, we have this house on the 38." We'd love for you to, we have it till July. Our, my company's buying it, and, and you, but it's open till then. So you can go down and say, it's on a lagoon and it's right off the beach. And it's beautiful, and blah, 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 blah. And we're like, okay. Now, I didn't know this family. I, didn't, I hadn't done their wedding or done their, I didn't, done, they were brand new, right? They were, un, they were unobligated and I was undeserving. They said, here, would you like to have this? And, and we said, yeah. <laughs> you know what we did? We went down. And enjoyed it. And it was glorious. But see, there's a tension there like, oh, you know, I don't know. We, you know, no, we feel bad. No, we, 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 we you know, I'm not. Wor- Look, if you know anything about me, I am not a Rosemary Beach guy. I fit at Tybee. Huckapoos is my place. Rosemary Beach is kind of like, no, 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 no. So, but, but you know what? There's a sense of, that, but that's just pride. No, I can't do, oh no, it's too nice, it's too this. It's, that's, all that is is false pride. To enjoy the gift honors the giver, right? And so that's what we did. So you can enjoy. You don't have to come in miserable, right? You don't have to come in, oh, woe is me, God has said, I have loved you with an everlasting love. Some of you feel like, oh, I'm not loved. No, understand this. If you were in Christ, you were as loved today and accepted today as you will ever be. As much as you will ever be. Why? Because when God the Father looks down at you, he doesn't see you, he sees his own son. How much does God the Father love his own son? Eternally. So that's how God sees you when you're in Christ. You can't improve on that. All right, you can't make that better. You're as accepted as you're ever gonna be because of Christ. That's grace, undeserved gift, unobligated giver. And you need to start seeing it that way and you can enjoy that. You can celebrate that. You don't have to be miserable with that. You can let the joy of the Lord be your strength. That's what we want. Here's what we don't wanna do though. We wanna enjoy it, but we don't wanna try to earn it. I mean, how silly if I would've went to this guy and said, hey, man, that's great. Here, how about this? I'll cut the lawn while I'm down there. I'll paint the fence. I'll make sure that we wash all the sheets. I'll make sure I, I do something, right? Because I got I got to feel good about myself that I did something. That's silly. It's ridiculous. No, no, we want you to enjoy it. We don't want you cutting the lawn and painting the fence. We want you to enjoy it. But see, that's what we do. We, go, we defer to karma. Okay, I'm saved by grace, praise God. But now I have to be nice and good and keep my salvation. I got to maintain my salvation, so I got to be good. And so if I miss a quiet time on Wednesday, then on Thursday, I'm going to do it. I'm going to double up. And I'm even going to read Ezekiel because that makes me really holy. And if I miss church on a Sunday, then I'm gonna come to CBC and then I'm gonna go to a Presbyterian church on that Sunday night because they're the only ones that meet on Sunday night because we ain't gonna meet on Sunday night. So I'm gonna go to evening worship over there to make myself feel good. I guess I gotta be nice. I gotta be good. So that's the way it is. We try to earn God's favor again. And some of you, you come in. You're like, I can't sing. I gotta, you know, I gotta listen because I'm not worthy to sing. And I'm not, I can't, you know, you got your head down. Not because you're, you're praying, because you just feel unworthy. We all are unworthy. Get it in your skull. But I love the psalmist who says, you, O Lord, are a shield about me, my glory, the lifter of my head. You don't have to come in with your head down. Not because you're good, because God is the lifter of your head and you can look to the cross, the finished work of Christ and the empty tomb. And yes, I'm not worthy, but he is. And I go there. I don't have to earn it. Jonah's not earning it. Jonah is a miserable punk. He's not been doing his quiet time in the bottom of the boat. He's been sleeping. The only time he prays is when he's about to pass out. Help. And God saves him because of grace. Undeserved gift, unobligated giver. That's why the writer of the Hebrews says, look, we have a high priest who gets it, who can sympathize with you. Why? Because he's been tempted in all ways, yet he is without sin. So now, what's the application there? He says, therefore, let us approach, let us draw near to the throne of what? Grace, to find grace and help in time of need. That you don't have to, and some of you, it's been a minute since you've been in the throne of grace. In fact, you're like, I don't even know if God still got me on the Rolodex up there. I don't even know if he knows my name. That's okay. He does. Don't let your distance keep you from experiencing forgiveness and grace and coming back to the one who gives freely, right? Enjoy it, don't try to earn it. Second thing is learn from grace. Let grace be your teacher. You're meant to learn from grace. This is what Paul says in Titus, He says, the grace of God has appeared bringing salvation, undeserved gift from an unobligated giver. That's what we get for all people. And then, it, and it says, this is what grace does now. It uses a word, it's related to the word for child. Uh, it, it's an education word. It's a teacher. It's elementary school. It's the basics. It's math. It's arithmetic. It's, it's English. It's social studies. That grace is your teacher. And what does it teach us to do? To renounce ungodliness and worldly passions. It teaches you to do that. It's supposed to. So when you're tempted to have that second and third glance, no, I don't, why? Because of grace. And I'm tempted to just do that impulse buy that I can't afford, even though I, you know, I want this so bad, or that, that third drink, or that whatever, because it'll make me feel good. Grace says, no, 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 you don't need that. I am, my grace is sufficient for you. It teaches you to live self-controlled when you wanna say it so badly. But you keep your mouth shut because of grace. Helps you to have hope. Right when you look around, you're like, this world is jacked, and my life is jacked that I still have hope because I know what's coming. Teach me to stay in that relationship, even though it's challenging. You know why? Because of grace. And I'm gonna fight for this marriage. I'm gonna fight for these kids. Because of grace. Teach me to forgive and not hold a grudge and release. Because that's what I, I've experienced. God's grace. Grace is our teacher, it's meant to teach us. We want to learn from it, but we don't want to abuse it. I don't want to abuse it. And Paul has a whole chapter on this. You can read about it in Romans chapter six. He says, okay, grace is awesome. And some of our mentality is, oh, if grace is awesome, I just want to get lavish with grace. So I'm just going to go sin more so I can experience God's grace. And Paul says, may that never be true of you. Right? May it never be. See, some of us are way too hard on ourselves when we fail and we beat ourselves up and we got to be nice for a month and do all these extra things because we're trying to earn karma. That's some of you but I would bet in our congregation just knowing y'all and knowing me that most of us are way too free with grace. We take our sin way too lightly and forget that our sin nailed God to a tree and it's not that God did not free you from your slavery. He didn't free you from this addiction so that you could run right back to it. He didn't free you from that relationship, from that guy, so that you could go and Snapchat him again later tonight. He didn't free you from that enslavement to whatever so that you, like a dog, could return to your vomit or a pig returning to the mud after being cleaned up. That's not why he did it. He did it to rescue you. And some of us, we will, oh, I'm so sorry, I'm so sorry, I'm so sorry, and we will run right back to it because we're abusing grace. And I would encourage some of us, hey, you need to check yourself on this, right? Am I running back and just counting? And, 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 and Hebrews 6 says a lot about this. We'll look at that in the fall. But there's something interesting here. Jonah hasn't learned from grace yet, he hasn't really grasped it. He hasn't, and the whole book he doesn't actually learn. He'll learn it afterwards, but he doesn't get it in the book. He's thinking about sacrifices here. And it's interesting. So verse 10 says this, the Lord spoke to the fish. Everybody in the book obeys the Lord, except for Jonah. The fish, the water, the sailors, Nineveh, but Jonah. Everyone obeys but Jonah. The Lord spoke to the fish and it vomited Jonah out. And it's a very graphic Hebrew word, right? Vomited, okay? And, and I did a word search on this this week in my, in my study to look at every use of the word vomit in the Bible, So I saved you the trouble. You don't have to do that this week. Let me give you, here's the the summary. It's always bad. Vomit is always bad. There's never a good passage like, and the Lord vomited on them and blessed them. There's not that passage in the Bible. Just like it's not in English. No one's like, my kid vomited on me and it was beautiful. My my kids threw up all over the carpet and blessed be the name of the Lord. That's never a good thing. Vomit is always bad, right? Even when it's a different word in, in the Greek, Revelation 3, when, when God's talking to the church of to Laodicea, to I'm gonna spit you, I'm gonna vomit you out. He tells Israel, I'm gonna vomit you out. It's always a bad thing, just like in English. You know, upchuck, you know, tossing your cookies, hurling, it, all, oh, it's a negative connotation. And so when, when the Hebrew reader, the original reader, hears that God vomited him, they're not thinking, oh, good, he's safe. There's an immediate negative connotation that they would grab that we don't kind of get because we're not an Old Testament Jew. But it's a negative idea. And here's, here's why it's negative. Because Jonah still hasn't learned. Most commentators agree that Jonah is thinking, I'm going to Jerusalem. Why? Because I'm going to have to sacrifice and I'm going to make vows. I already said it. There's a, a reason in chapter three, and, and Tim will get to bring this out next week. There's a reason God has to tell him in chapter three, go to Nineveh. Because he ain't going. You would have thought, he'd be on his way to Nineveh. he's not on his way. He hadn't learned anything. And at the end of chapter four. The book is going to end. You're going to be like, that's it? There's no chapter five? Because you're like, this is the end? Does Jonah ever get it? He has to. You know how I know? Because he wrote the book. You would never write this about yourself and put it into publication if you, if you, if you didn't learn the lesson. This does not make Jonah look good. But at some point, he learns about grace. At some point, the, the circle is complete. But not yet. Right? And we don't want to be that. We don't want to know grace, know grace, but not learn from grace. We don't want to abuse grace. The sacrifices of God are a broken and contrite spirit. That's what the psalmist says, that God delights more in obedience than sacrifice, right? That's where we want to go. We want to learn from that. And then one more thing, we enjoy it. We enjoy it and we learn from it. And then one more thing, we remember it. There's a reason why Jonah writes it down because he needs to remember it, right? And to his credit, he does. This was God's grace on me and I need to be reminded. You and I need to be reminded. Not because we forget intellectually, we forget from the heart. This is why Peter says, it's no, no problem for me to stir you up by my reminder that we're to continue to remember these things. There's a reason why Jesus says, take this in what? Remembrance of me. Not because we forget intellectually, because we, like Jonah, are superficial with our remembering. Yeah, I remember, I did this, I did this, I did this, right? But we want to get below that superficial. I mean, Jonah knows the Bible really well, but it doesn't change his life. We want to get out of that superficialness and know, no, I want to be moved by the grace of God that I was an enemy and now I am a friend. That I was, I was empty and now I am full. That I had a, a future of, of pain and suffering and separation from God and now I have eternal delight and so Jesus, the night before he is, when he's betrayed and the night before he dies, he gives us reminders. He says, I want you to take this bread, this bread that pictures my body, my body, the innocent son of God who will be pierced for you, who will be crushed for you, who would be, endure the wrath of the father for you. Do this in what? Remembrance of me. And this cup is the new covenant in my blood, Poured out for the forgiveness of sins, undeserved forgiveness, unobligated giver. Do this as often as you do it and remember me. For as often as you do this, you proclaim my death until I come. Why do we need to keep proclaiming his death? Because we need to be reminded that should have been you. It should have been you. It should have been me. That's grace. And we need to move beyond a superficial, yeah, I know, I enjoyed Jesus in my heart when I was six. no, no. More than that, that the love of Christ compels us. And that love of Christ, it's, it's, it's not a my love for him, it's his love for me. That God's love for me compels me, moves me to learn, to be thankful, to enjoy. And so as we take the table in just a few moments, I want you to spend some time and really ask God to kindle afresh that you would grasp the depths and the riches that, that, of the grace that you have been lavished with. Don't take it in a superficial, I know this. Let's go into Mother's Day buffet. Think on it. If there's sin, if you're abusing the grace of God right now, repent of it, confess it, own it, and move from it. Learn from the grace of God. And then celebrate it. Thank you that I am loved by you. This body and this blood, these these elements, picture what you did for me. And just sit in that. And so these folks are going to hand out the elements. And just going to give you some moments to think, to to pray, to listen to the team, kind of sing over us, to maybe sing along. And when you're ready, when you've kind of sat in God's grace for a few moments, then you take and thank God for it. And then we'll stand and we'll sing. And if you're, if you're not a Christian this morning, no pressure to take, don't take. Because these are, these are reminders for those who've experienced the grace of God. It's not just a, a cracker and a juice to hold you over till lunch. These picture grace that is received by grace through faith, the gift of God, undeserved, unobligated for you. Because God, before the foundation of the world, chose you to be his. Let me pray we'll remember these things together. Father, I'm grateful for the privilege of proclaiming your goodness, not mine, of your grace that I need daily. And so help us to grasp it. We can't take a message of grace if we don't get it ourselves. We cannot give what we do not have. And so help us to grasp and be learning from and enjoying and remembering your grace given to us in your son, his sacrifice, his substitute for our sins. Let us, let that compel us and move us to serve you, love you, follow you wherever you would go. Just like Matthew did. Just like Jonah eventually did, like so many of us have. We pray in Christ's name and for his glory.